Hi, my name is Sam Limbs, and welcome to interview episode number seven of my sexy music podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. Hello, so first of all, I'd like to welcome all you to interview episode number seven of my sexy music podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. I'm Sam Williams, and as per usual with these interview episodes, I'm not going to bother doing the same kind of spiel I do in the beginning of each episode, because so I'm, I'm hoping, this is, in, this is episode number 70, so I'm hoping that you guys by now kind of already know like what I do with this podcast, if you've been listening to it for a very long time. Um, but just in case you don't, if you're just tuning in, and this is literally like the first episode you're listening to, um, this podcast is basically, uh, it's hosted by me, I'm Sam Williams, I'm a 23-year-old songwriter slash producer, and it's all about the education and preservation of 60s music, and uh, each week I take a different song from the 60s and break it down, talk about my opinion, and talk about the history behind it, but... Today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different, um, because today is going to be the seventh interview episode I have done on my podcast so far, and uh, it's actually, I've been keeping you guys updated about this interview episode for a while now, but um, but as you could probably pick up by now, just by looking at the, the name of this episode, um, uh, I could not, unfortunately, get both Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob, and his band leader, Andy Paley, on the same episode, um, because Tom, you know, could not commit to a day and time in which he would be available to come over to do this interview, so it's just going to be me with Andy, and, uh, I'm a little, I'm honestly a little bummed out about it, but looking at the bright side, you know, Andy is just an incredible musician and arranger and songwriter. Um, this guy, you know, what is so cool about him is that, uh, Andy, he wrote, not only did he write and record with Brian Wilson when in the 80s, but he also worked extensively with members of the Wrecking Crew and Phil Spector, um, you know, because the last everything that Phil Spector ever recorded at Gold Star Studios with the Wrecking Crew was with a duet with, between him and his brother. And uh, I listened to the album that he recorded with his brother and uh, Jonathan Paley, and they were going by the name of the Paley Brothers, and man, it sounds amazing. I mean, every single song in there is just fantastic. And what made these songs so cool is that even though the album was recorded at the very end of the 70s, it still had that early to mid-60s kind of sound to it. I mean, I was listening to the songs, and I was thinking, wow, these songs sound pretty much like they could have been recorded like in 1963 or 4 or 5. And it's amazing that even though by the late 70s and early 80s, music was so completely far away from the early to mid-60s, I mean, just totally, just completely different. It is so cool that these two guys went in the studio to record these songs, the Wrecking Crew and Phil Spector, to capture the energy and the essence and the vibe and just the spirit of that really, really good music from the early to mid-60s and even some of the late 60s as well. So, I mean, it is so cool that he did that. And, I mean, I'm sure Andy just has a million stories about his days with Brian Wilson and working with Phil Spector. I mean, I'm just so excited to have him on this podcast. And I'm sure that 
me getting to be able to talk to me being able to get to talk to Andy Paley, uh, you know, for this interview episode will ultimately be my ticket into uh, talking to Tom, you know, because I'm sure like once I interview Andy, then, uh, you know, a couple maybe like, you know, three or four months from now or sometime in the near future, I'll get to be able to get to talk to Tom as well. So um, also Andy has done extensive uh, work on SpongeBob music. He recorded two albums worth of SpongeBob music with Tom and the voice actors for the show. And one of the albums has a lot is, is it's basically SpongeBob music with SpongeBob uh you know characters, you know, uh basically doing all the singing, but it's all original music and the the production and songwriting off of that album is very reminiscent of, you know, those early to mid 60s songs. And, you know, he just really, I mean, I was just, I tip my hat off to this guy to basically just rip apart all those classic great songs and come up with some really, really good original music that is totally reminiscent of, you know, those songs and just paying tribute to all those great songs from the early to mid 60s, but at the same time, staying original and staying something that isn't totally derivative of those songs. So, um, yeah, so I'm very excited to have him on my show today. Without further ado, um, you know, Please welcome onto my podcast someone who is the current band leader for Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob, someone who has written and recorded with Brian Wilson in the past and has worked with Phil Spector closely with the Wrecking Crew at Gold Star Studios in the late 70s. Please welcome none other Mr. Andy Paley. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here I am in the studio today with one of the coolest people I'm, I, I could be talking to with my podcast today. We're going to be talking about all things 60s music. We're going to nerd out as hard as we possibly can today. Man, I am just pumped to get to talk to someone as cool as Andy Paley. Now, you know, here's some six degrees of separation right here. This guy wrote and recorded with Brian Wilson on the last ever song that Brian recorded with his lead, with his brother Carl doing lead vocals. And, uh, you know, and not only this, check this out. Him and his brother were in a duet with the legendary Phil Spector. And get check this out. They recorded one of the last ever things they did at Gold Star Studios with the Wrecking Crew in the late 70s before the studio burned down. I mean, this is just, I mean, and, the, and also there's, there's a little connection between him and the Ramones too, and we'll talk about that today <laughs> as well. And, you know, everything I, I wanted to say about this guy is that this guy, um, he also is a, uh, a band leader, and I think he also does some arrangements for Tom Kenny's band. Yeah. And Tom Kenny is... The high of, seas. Yeah, the high seas, exactly. Yeah. For those of you out there who don't know this, Tom Kenny is uh, the voice of SpongeBob SquarePants, and he's been doing the show since the show started like in 1999. But now he also has his own band where he does wall to wall 60s tunes. And it's so cool because this guy, this, this guy who just has a huge following of just young people, you know, who watch his show. He goes out there and does all these '60s tunes that I bet most of his young fans probably don't you know, even know about. Some songs from from 
other all other eras too. Yeah, some other some other decades. other other decades too. But <laughs> you know, when I saw you guys perform, I mean, I couldn't. It was hard to pick out. It's hard hard to hear the songs that weren't past like nineteen like sixty eight. <laughs> right, there might have been some before that. Yeah, right. Like 50, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, Andy, you know, it is a pleasure. Thank you to have you on my podcast well, no, today. A, I'm honored to be here. Exciting, very exciting to meet you and be. Yeah, here. absolutely. So um. Let's first let's talk about Brian Wilson for a little bit because okay. yeah because I mean just I listened to that song and that riff is just so amazing it kind of it takes me back into that you know that late fifties early sixties Fats Domino New Orleans kind of yeah. a sound yeah I mean it just I can picture just well, it's that kind of a Philly yeah stroll thing too. yeah it's it just it's so cool I yeah. mean it just it just has that it just has that vibe you know yeah. it almost sounds like the kind of riff that they use you know that Leon Alvin Ray Tyler yeah. those sure. those you know the sax players yeah. in New Orleans use yeah. on a lot of those records and yeah. you know Night just, Owl. yeah right yeah Night so it's got that kind of yeah thing. so just Talk, talk with me well, about... I had that kind of groove going on the yeah. piano, and uh, that was at a time um, where I wasn't... I actually was on the road with another band. It wasn't Brian Wilson. Yeah. And I got back to L.A., and I showed Brian the thing, and I had the title, and it made sense to me, Soul Searching, Soul... You know, it's boom, yeah. Boom, yeah. Boom, boom, yeah. Boom, 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 yeah. And Soul Searching, and... Brian came up with the idea going, uh, I was a bum. Right? He loved, he was very, Yes. he wanted that opening line. Yes. I was a bum. Yes. He even told me that he had a picture in his mind of a Frank Sinatra album cover. And I kind of knew what he meant. But then later somebody showed it to me. I was oh, yeah, there it is. There's a picture of Frank Sinatra, like, it's kind of a, uh, a, a weird blue, kind of depressing picture he's he's smoking a cigarette and he's in an alleyway looking very sad and brian thought that was soul search and that to him that was the image he had in his head right oh my god but, and his brother carl ended up singing um lead on right. which was the last thing carl ever sang lead on i think and the beach boys were on the record we did it um I originally recorded it over in um, Glendale, where I played most of the instruments myself. Right, and um, I did an organ solo on. Wow! It. And then, um, and then um, we went over to Ocean Way, um, and the Beach Boys, which was also before it was Ocean yes. Way. It was Western. Yes, yes. yeah, and um, that's right. And uh, yes, and of course, those guys are all familiar. Okay, with that. so okay, so let me ask you this: When you recorded Ocean Way, was it the original like room where they did yeah, a lot of that? Yes, yeah. no way. Yeah, yeah. And the Beach wow. Boys. Wow. And of course, there was Mike Love and Bruce Johnston and Wow, um, Al Jardine and uh, Brian. I wonder if Chuck Bridge was still around at no, that no, time. No, 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 he was not. Oh, no, okay, no, all right. Uh, Don was was there. Yeah. Uh, no. Chuck Britz was definitely not there. right, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was the room, and it was very exciting to hear the Beach Boys singing harmony together. Around yeah, the mic. very exciting. exactly. Was Hal yeah. Blaine on drums? Or no, 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 no. It was my track that I had already. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, you you yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you played yeah. all the instruments. But on I mean, it. I was probably imitating Hal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, wow. Or that is Palmer. that is so cool. You know, one thing I love about that song is that key change. Yeah. You know, kind of towards the end, yeah, I was modulate. like, "Man, yeah, yeah, that yeah. is so cool!" Yeah, so oh my god, that. that is that that is just well, amazing. You know, for the Beach Boys, singing that kind of harmony is a second nature. So yeah, absolutely, super easy. Oh yeah, I mean that. I mean, I listened to that song. I was like, "Damn, that is just so cool!" <laughs> I mean, wow. I mean, you know, it's funny. Um, 
you know, I, I listened to that and it's just, it, it kind of feels like, it almost kind of sounds like what if the Beach Boys kind of kept going-ish, yeah. you know, with like the original thing going on. Well, you know you what's know, funny too? You know, because it, it, it almost kind of sounds like, okay, so we all know what kind of happened in the 70s and 80s and just, you know, what yeah. happened with Brian Wilson, you know, yeah. and he just, you know, and, you know, they, they were starting to have that comeback with Kokomo and then, you know, and of course, you know, Terry Melcher and John Phillips co-wrote that, you know, but then, and then they just kind of like, they're kind of trying to get back together. I feel like that song kind of kind of kind of caught on the heels of that almost well, a little know, bit I, I we we wanted to do more i don't really know exactly what happened but it had that kind of groove that yes. those guys could easily get into you start with a whatever chord let's say it's in c yeah it's in d it. actually okay then it's then, in then, d okay, so yeah because i have d, perfect then it's, pitch then it's e minor yeah d to e, e minor seventh yeah. and then yeah. d major seventh yeah right and so and yeah it's very easy for the beach boys to right say, absolutely bum, yeah right bum. yeah and so uh yeah all those bums are, yeah, uh, that's very Philly. Yeah, Philly soul sound. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was completely deliberate. For sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Philly yeah. soul. I mean, oh my yeah. God, like yeah. Jerry Butler and the yeah. Soul Survivors and yeah. the Delphonics and <laughs> yeah, you know right. and the Intruders. I oh, mean, yeah. man, that's where it's those, at. Oh shit, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny. Yeah. Sigma. You know, it's crazy. I gotta, I gotta talk about this right now. <laughs> there was a transition in Philadelphia as far as the music business from the early '60s to the late 60s. Uh-huh. And what happened was that in the early days, it was all Cameo Parkway, right? That was the number one label in Philadelphia in the, the early Orlans, 60s. Orlans, Dee Dee Sharp. Sharp. Yeah. And check this out. You know, it's funny. When I, you know, when I listened to those records, they were in direct competition with Motown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were, these guys were just neck and neck with each other. Yeah. I mean, and they're beautiful David Appel, Cal Mann, and Burley and Lowe yes. were directly just fighting against Barry Gordy all yeah. the way, seriously. Yeah. But, you know, what's so interesting is that that was a, a – everything was in-house with that label. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, I mean, literally from the writers to the producers oh, sure. to the session musicians. Yeah. I mean, very similar to Motown. Yeah, every, yeah. very similar yeah. to Motown. I mean, yeah, they yeah, even yeah. had their own, you know, dance yeah. choreographers and yeah. AR guys <laughs> yeah. and promotion men. Yeah. Literally, it was the Philadelphia version of Motown. Yeah. 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 But what Cameo Parkway had that Motown kind of didn't really have is that since they were in Philly, they had the American bandstand thing with Dick Clark. Right, right. You know, right. so they so they had that connection. But yeah. I think that the reason why Cameo Parkway way kind of faded by 64 65 and motown kept pressing on is because i truly believe that barry gordy had this thing where he wanted these songs to be able to last and still be relatable and still be um relevant after he was thinking the ahead. beatles absolutely yeah, for yeah, sure yeah, yeah i mean it's funny because when i listen to all those cameo parkway records i hear all those references to philadelphia like south street and like the Bristol Stomp in Bristol, Pennsylvania, and I'm like, okay, so that's why obviously it, it these didn't, it didn't yeah, last because yeah, you know yeah. all these records had references to Philadelphia, yeah, yeah. and almost everything is about the mashed potato and the holy gully <laughs> and the twist and like and Barry Gordy knew that these dance phrases could be hot for one minute and not hot the next minute, so he yeah. knew that he wanted these songs to be able to be relatable and still be you know right. relevant, a little more you universal, know. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and yeah. he also made sure that. These songs that he was writing in Detroit could still be relevant. I mean, sorry, uh, people outside of Detroit can be able to relate Relatable, to these songs yeah, yeah. too, instead of just people like you know only in like Philadelphia, yeah. Pennsylvania area yeah. with like Cameo Parkway. Yeah, you know. So so yeah, but I, I I'm addicted to both both sounds. But you know what's funny? Okay, uh, so this I is, could listen this, to this the is wow, I could is, listen to the wow wow two all day long. You know what's funny? This is this is what I'm getting at. So in between 1663-64, Cameo Parkway was on top of it. 
they had hit after hit after hit, and they had the gr- good fucking musicians. I mean, Fred Nuzzullo, Buddy Savitt, yes, that's you right. know, uh, you know, George Young, and then they had you know Bobby Gregg and Joe Shear and Joe Segro and yeah. Joe Macko and Ellis Tolan, yeah, and you know, friend Fred Bender and Roy Stragus. I mean, they amazing had, team you know, of people. Just you know, yeah. just an incredible group yeah. of musicians, you know, on those records, and you know. And uh, honestly, um, and what's his name too? You know, the guy who wrote um, "Peace of My Heart." You know, no, that wasn't. He wasn't part of Kenny no, 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 Parkway. No, Jerry Ragavoy, but he was down in Philly. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. And then what do you call it? The Majors. Yeah, you know, the Majors. Wonderful, wonderful dream. dream. Yeah, one of my exactly. favorite, favorite records. Yeah. Of all oh, time. for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a great song. But there was a Jerry Ragavoy. That's yes. right. That was in yes. Philadelphia. That's you're right. I, that's what I yeah, said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're yeah, right. They had a great vibe in Philly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Plus Jerry Blavitt. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what studio they recorded that song. Sigma. Really? I think so. Whoa, that's crazy. Sigmas. You know, it's crazy. I didn't even know Sigma was even around at that time because yeah, I thought one? it was just Cameo Rico Arts in Philadelphia. That was That's I thought right. that was the only right. I thought that was the only studio you around. Might be right. Yeah. yeah, Cameo Rico Arts. Yeah, because later. Yeah, yeah, because Rico Arts Studios. That's where uh, Freddie Cannon cut. Um, uh, you know uh, what's that song? Uh, Palisades Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he cut Palisades yeah. Park. Yeah, at yeah. Cameo Rico Art Studios in Philadelphia. Yeah. So like what I'm Where's saying, Freddie? S- Freddie's from Revere, Massachusetts. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's from yeah. that area, but yeah. he did a lot of yeah, stuff I in know. Philly. I know, yeah, I know. absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, so Still around, I think. you know that that transition because Cameo Park went bankrupt in like '65, '66. The last hit they ever had was '96 Tears by Question Marks and Mysterians. And then you know they had a couple couple hits. We you know with Sound Orchestral, Acastrophates of the Wind. Yes. Yes. But in 65, you know, you know, 66, 67, there was Arctic and Filet Soul. Right. And then you had guys like right. Jesse James. And you had guys Boogaloo like... Boogaloo Down Broadway. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Which, and, those, you know, and those guys, and check this out. So Jesse James and also whoever produced Yes, I'm Ready by yes, Barbara Mason. Yes. Those group of people... Eventually got into the Gamble and Huffs and the That's Tom right. Bells That's of right. the Philly sound. That's right. Yeah. And of course, you probably didn't even know but this. But before they called Gam- it the Gamble, Fi- Gamble and Huff were also session players no, for Cameo Parkway. I know, I know, yeah, yeah, and, and then and then they kind of and then they kind of before they called it the Philly. Yeah, sound, it was already really the Philly sound. But yeah, they didn't, kind they of have a name for it. Kind of later. exactly. Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm ready was kind of the yes. the definitive the when start they of that. Really started, but then La 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 means I love you oh, was yeah. was literally like when it was at its peak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's interesting because also you know Leon was in New York and Kenny was in Philadelphia at that time. You know, too. So they were working with different people before right. they actually started. You well, know, it's a quick producing. Train, it's a quick train ride. Yeah, exactly. It's no big deal. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah. I love that whole thing about uh, New York, Philly, Baltimore. Yeah, DC. you know, it's interesting because yeah. you just—it's funny you mentioned that because after Cameo Parkway went out of business, a lot of those guys went to New York, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, Joe Macko and Bobby right. Gregg, and That's you right. know, all those all those musicians. They all they all headed Bobby, out to New York. Bobby Gregg had a. Um, had a single the on, jam. Da- on Daisy. That's the right. jam. Yeah. That's right. Which is a Lieber Stoller. Yes. Thing. Yes. Absolutely. That's Roy Buchanan on yes, guitar. Yes, Roy Buchanan on guitar. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. 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 You, know, you know what else? He played on Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. And yeah. you know what else he played on? The Sound of Silence by, oh, by Simon and Garfunkel. I, I yeah. Played, I played with Roy. Really? Yeah. yeah. Roy Buchanan? Yes, I did. Wow. Yeah, I was in his band for a while. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then he... Uh, Really, um, surprisingly, I mean, it was a really sad thing that you know he he killed himself. Really? Know? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't uh, know. I didn't know I, that. Yeah. 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 He committed suicide, but he was an amazing guitar yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah. You know the soul. You know it's funny. This like we were just talking about Philly sound. The soul survivors. I listened to that and I'm like, 
It's Did Three like Dog Rascals. Night like ever ever like listen to these guys and just literally stole everything from but them? It's a lot like the Rascals. I mean, seriously, it's just the it's like the but no, it's actually more Three Dog Night because the three singers, <laughs> Richie, Charlie, Ingwine, Carrie, Jenemiah, those right. three Italian guys, right. you know, with the band. That was Three Dog Night before there was Three Dog Night, you right. know? Right. Yeah. Well, the Rascals were Eddie Brigatti, yeah, and, and uh, Felix, Felix Cavallari, and Gene, Gene Cornish, and Dino, Dino Dinelli. Dinelli. So that, they had okay, their Italians so they were too. probably one of the most <laughs> underrated the bands. Are no. you? They had huge hits. They, well, they, weren't, okay, they okay, weren't underrated. Okay, okay. so and, no, you know, they were, for people, they were, people my age. I love the Rascals. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Oh, my God. No, they, they, oh, they did great shit. records. You know, they were the Groovin. first white band to ever be signed to Atlantic Atco, Re- Atlantic. Records. Right. Yes, the, the main label, though. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. all the, the white groups were on ACO. You know, Sunny and right. Cher and, like, <laughs> you know, Dio and Tempo and April Stevens <laughs> and Bobby Darren. That was all ACO, man. But the Rascals were on the Atlantic label. Seriously, I mean, just you know, they what sounded they sounded black enough. Morning. Oh, for sure! Oh you my know? God, they had a bass player on their stuff too. Actually, yes, yes. Right. yeah, Chuck Rainey that's and right. Ron Carter that's right. and those guys. Yeah, but not, not live. No, records, no. Right? Felix I mean, would play. Gene Cornish. Gene Cornish played bass on "I've Been Lonely Too Long." Right, actually, right. yeah. Yeah, and then he's, Chuck, Chuck he's, stepped in for grooving a beautiful morning and girl like you. Yes, and then and then Gene, the, Gene Cornish and then good. Jerry Jamont played on "People Got to Be Free" too. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, I don't know how you remember all that stuff. Yeah, man. I just I'm I'm you know <laughs> I got a I got a brain, man. Seriously, I got a brain for sure. Yeah, yeah. I love those records. Absolutely, for sure. I mean, I'm a sucker for Blue Eyed Soul, man. I mean, any anything Blue Eyed Soul. Righteous Brothers, Mitch Ryder, Detroit Wheels, oh, yeah. Occasions, Bob oh, Cuban and the Inn Men. Occasions. Well, that's how <laughs> you introduced yourself to me. Yes. You came over to, uh, I was wearing a VJ Records yes. t-shirt, and you walked, o- you walked over to, uh, to me at the gig, the Tom Kenny and the High Seas gig. We were, it was just me and the guitar yes. player was setting up, and you said, hey, man, I like your t-shirt. Yes. And we started talking, and then you said, uh, you guys should do... Uh, I'm a girl watcher. And, <laughs> and I said, you know what? We already do it. Wow. We, we, we've been doing it. You know what's crazy? Uh, and I cut an instrumental of that years it's crazy. ago. Here's, here's a little known fact. I can fact. almost tell you who wrote it. Somebody, Buck P- Trail Pittman. Wayne, Pitt- Wayne Pittman. Wayne yes, Buck Trail right. Wayne Pittman. That's yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like, here's a little known fact about that song. That song actually started, started out. North Carolina. No, I'm a boy watcher. That was the original version of the really? song. It was called I'm did a Boy Watcher. Did they write it for some girl to sing? Yeah, they wrote it for a girl to sing. And then uh, the lead singer, I think it was Donnie Weaver for the occasions. Uh, what were they called? They were called the Keys before that. Yes. Then they became the Keys. The Keys. The they became the, the occasions. occasions. Yes. But, yes. Uh, but um, they're from North Carolina. Yes, it wasn't on, Pit Sound it wasn't Studios. On ABC. Pit Sound it was on Studios. Label. It was on yes, the, it was on ABC Paramount. No, yes. before ABC, it was no, on. It was on a local. Really? Yes. I, yeah, ABC picked it up. Really? It was on some interesting. Label. Yeah, because I because North I'm, State. Really? North, North State. State really? Yes. yes. Wow. North, I used to have the single on. North wow. State. Yeah. That's then crazy. It, then it got picked up by ABC. Yeah. yeah. What a great record. Absolutely. I love the baseline. Oh, for sure. And I love the melody. Oh yeah. It's hypnotic. Oh man. I cut. An instrumental. He sounds so black. I mean, yeah, that on that well, record, you know, it is. Yeah, it's but blue eyes soul. Just, it's just yeah, groovy. it's just groovy. Yeah, seriously. And, um, so I cut an instrumental of it, and then yeah. years went by, and then we started doing it with Tom Kenny in the high season. People, wow, people love it. Wow, it's and crazy. Tom, Tom sings it great. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. And for that's sure. so funny that you said you guys should do that, but we already did it. Yeah, right. 
That really, I thought that was very perceptive of you. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was hoping Tom would whip into Land of a Thousand Dances and, you know, you and, know, all, and all those we've Wilson Pickett. We've done yeah. that. We've yeah. done that. You know, here's a, you know, it's kind of a crazy story behind that song. Have you heard the we original? We do I Found a Love. You mentioned uh, you, you know, Wilson have Pickett. You, have you heard the original version of Land of a Thousand Dances? Yeah. By Chris Kenner. Yeah. Isn't it how, isn't it how crazy how different it is oh, from yeah. all the other versions? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting because literally there's no introduction. There's one, two, three. That wasn't in the ori- original intro in the song. <laughs> right, 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 right. No, it was just like literally, and check this out. Um, in that song, the reason why Land of a Thousand Dances is never mentioned in that song at all is because there are some versions of the original version of that song that feature an uh, introduction by Chris Kenner where he's singing, Oh, please, yeah. won't you come with me yeah, yeah, to yeah. Land of a Thousand Dances? Then yeah. he starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some versions where they edit it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's so then people often wonder, like, okay, why isn't <laughs> Land of a Thousand Dances in the song? Well, that's that's the reason why. And you know what's also crazy? That hook, that Wilson you, Pickens <laughs> version, was from Cannibal in the Headhunters because he screwed up. He couldn't memorize the lyrics. So he completely blanked on it when they were in the middle of a take. So he started singing, na, 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 because he couldn't remember the lyrics and that's that's what wound up in like yeah that's and Wilson Pickett copied it off of that version (laughs) which came out a year before Wilson Pickett's that's right absolutely man yeah and everybody when I was a kid everybody did it you know because oh for sure everybody everybody's band did that everybody right band did Louie Louie everybody did oh for sure certain songs yeah right seriously yeah Yeah. I mean it was just like one of those bar band crasses like little Latin loopy Lou you know basically yeah right now did I tell you I went you, you were talking about Blue-Eyed Soul. Brian Wilson invited me once to go see the Righteous Brothers in Orange County. Yeah. And I don't know. This is many years ago. Yeah. And um, so we went down. We drove down to see the Righteous Brothers. And uh, and uh, Bill Medley said, there's someone I want to uh, stand up. Uh, uh, she's been a great friend to me over the years. Uh, please... I wrote a song about her. Please stand up. And it was Lupe. Yeah, Lupe Laguna. She was there. Yeah, and uh, we got to you know, meet, you know how, to meet her. You know how they got their name. This is kind of an interesting the story. Brothers. Well, some guy said, yes. "You guys sound right." Yes, yeah. they were there with the you black military righteous. guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's that's and they were they were coming from the, from the Paramounts first. There were two guys in the Paramounts band, and then they and then they formed the duo called the Righteous Brothers. It'd be interesting to track down people from songs like, "Oh, here's Lupe." You right. Actually, you know, yeah, maybe, that, that maybe makes, somebody could. Yeah, that that's that's kind of interesting. Because I was actually going to ask you about um, if Brian, because I know Brian was more of a chords guy. I mean, he's a melody guy. Yeah, more of a you know chords and melody. Yeah, I mean, but he writes really good lyrics too. Yeah, I mean, it's just interesting because I've always wondered like. I know a lot of those Beach Boys songs where he had, you know, did one guy do ly- music and one guy did the lyrics. Yeah, but it yeah. wasn't that strict because he would tell me sometimes. For instance, we were rehearsing because uh, I was going to ask you. Yeah. I was going to ask you if if he ever told you any stories about any girls that he was dating that might have gotten Influenced into and in, gotten into any of his songs. Like no, I like oh okay yeah. I know that somebody asked him about Caroline No. Yeah, and it's like where did your long hair go? Yeah, uh, like and, he and had he, to have written a song, written no, that song really, about somebody. But, but I don't think so because I think it was Tony Asher. Oh yeah, that's right. Lyrics. Yes, so, and so, then here you know this yeah. is kind of a funny story. I actually know this. I'm going to stop you right there. There in that song, there it's kind of a it's the title is so weird because it can either be interpreted interpreted as Carolina No or Carol I Know. 
Oh, yeah, I never thought. Yes, of that. that that's that's the thing is that interesting. It could, yeah, so it like it's weird because you know it's either Caroline no or Carol I know. Wow. Yeah, with the comma. Yeah. So that so yeah, go on. What we were no, you were no, saying? No, 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 no. I just I was answering your question. I don't think I don't. He never told me that any of the songs were about a girl or anything. Yeah. But I mean, the girls' names are. You know, always something good you can go to. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, we, were, we wrote a few like that. That maybe some of them have haven't come out yet. But yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff I've done written with Brian that isn't out. But I can tell you from experience that his um, he writes really good lyrics. He's people don't realize that Brian Wilson does actually write lyrics. Yeah. Um, and he told me once we were rehearsing for some show where we were doing four oh nine four oh nine, and he said um, that. The lyric is my four-speed dual quad positive traction four. Oh my god! He said that was his. He's very proud of that. Wow! Because people don't think he, you know, because I don't think he was that much of a gearhead, you know. But you know, uh, Roger Christian and Gary Usher and the other people, Roger Christian and uh, Gary Usher were definitely yeah, people that he sure. depended on for lyrics. Right. And then Mike Mike Love wrote a lot of great songs. Yeah. Him too. And of course, um, Tony Asher wrote Pet Sounds. Yeah, him. absolutely. And then later they did more psychedelic stuff with Van Dyke Parks writing lyrics. Yeah. So Brian, um, but Brian would contribute in stuff I did with him. He would contribute really good. Wow. Lyrics. Um, wow. I've, I've said like we did a song called Melt Away. Yeah. And on this song, which is on his solo yeah. album, his first solo record, and um, and it goes, I feel he he couldn't think of a couplet. To make a certain B section of, yeah. a, of a verse, yeah. uh, to make some rhymes, yeah. and he was just kind of like walking around, and then he said, "Okay, I've got it," and he said, and he just sang it. He said, "Give me the mic," and he sang, um, "I, I feel just like an island, and then I see you smiling." Wow! And I thought that was a brilliant rhyme, "island" and "smiling," in terms of putting that into a pop song. To me, I just thought that was great. I mean, what wow. a great, if you wrote it down, you wow. wouldn't think it's that great. Island, smiling. Wow. But it works perfectly. And wow. it also says something. You know, I feel, wow. I feel just like an island. Wow. Like how isolated and lonely can you be? Wow. And then, then I see you smiling. Wow, that's and so it, cool. You know, it's very cool. So yeah. he did that so he can write lyrics. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, I was just going to ask you, like, can we, can we switch gears and talk about British Invasion for a minute? Sure. Because it's funny because it's like, okay, so everyone... I, I swear to God, if I hear one thing, one more thing said about the Beatles and the Stones and just, man, can we just talk about the Hollies <laughs> and the fucking Dave Clark Five and, you know, Unit 4 Plus 2 and Wayne Fontaine and the Mindbenders right. and, like, Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas oh. and, like, oh, my God. Well, Seriously, you know, don't even get me started on that. No, but I'll tell you that it's funny you say that because it is irritating when people go, they get all excited, like, oh, yeah, the Beatles um, put... Uh, strings on uh, <laughs> yesterday. So, did you guys ever hear Jerry and the Pacemakers? Right. Or did you ever right? notice that there are these big orchestras? And by yes. the way, some of those were produced by George, yes, George, George Martin. Some of them, absolutely, you know, man. It's like oh man, you know, they were incredible records made at Abbey Road and yes. other places too. Way yes. before yes, any of that absolutely. Stuff. I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, it's funny because when mean, I'm, I'm an Acker Bilk fan. So. Oh, absolutely, yeah. for yeah. sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, oh my God, the the studios. Mister, were, I'm sorry, Mister Acker. Yeah, you know, those studios back then, London were popping, and you had Phillips, you had Pie, yeah, you had Decca, you had the Laylene. Great, great records. Being yeah, made. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but it's so interesting because. There's some super and you had cool also, of course, you had Joe Meek. under under the radar British invasion records that are just so 
like different, like concrete and clay. Oh yeah, well you that, know, was, that like, was not the under the radar. It was kind of a big hit. Yeah, it was kind of a big hit, but <laughs> still, it's just it's so it's so different than like the typical like How about you the know bachelors. <laughs> Diane. Oh <laughs> my god, that? yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah, <laughs> that seriously, was a hit. that was a hit here. Yeah, and absolutely. Frank, I, Frank, I feel yes. was a hit here. Yeah, right. I remember you. Yeah, right. That was when I was a kid. Yeah. In, in well, how about yeah, yeah by Georgie Fame, the Blue Flames, man. Seriously. Fantastic. Oh, dude, Matt, that, you that, that you gotta you gotta you gotta do that song for the next Tom Kenny. Yeah, we gotta do that one. I agree. Do you know um, the connection between that song and the governor of Massachusetts? No, but you know, do you know the do you know the connection between Georgie Fame and the Blue Flames and Jimi Hendrix? Though, can Who? you can you, Georgie Fame and the Blue Flames and Jimi Hendrix? Can you can you can no, you get? No, tell me. Mitch Mitchell was in the Blue oh, Flames before okay. Hendrix, man. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, who wrote? Who wrote? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Roger the, Grant, Pat Patrick, and John Hendrix. Right. Yeah. And. The look up on you and uh, I uh, look on your computer and look who the ex governor of Massachusetts was. Oh, I'll, I <laughs> and it's the son of the writer of that song. No way, how do you no like that? No way, yeah, yeah, that is so cool. Patrick, Patrick, wow, yes, and he played with Sun Ra. Wow, before he uh, that's crazy when he, when he was that's writing crazy. Jazz songs and yeah, yeah, is one of the songs. Wow, wrote. yeah, and his son became the governor of Massachusetts. Wow, how's that? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like Steve Vinay had uh, Nick Vinay as a brother. Yes, Nick Vinay as a brother. He's a third brother. Really? Who also was in politics, and he was in um, in Cleveland. He was like an assembly. You know, you did a song by the I Cats, and I can't. We did? Yeah. I'm blue. Yeah, I'm, but it's funny. Well, you like, about peaches and cream? Yes. <laughs> Steve I knew Vinay. you were. I knew yeah. you were. <laughs> I was, you know where I was going there, yes, man. Yes, I did. Absolutely. I, I knew Steve. I knew really? Steve. Yeah. 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 Did he ever tell you, like, and, where... Uh, he did where, the ad-libs. Where the hell did they record that song, man? Was, Peaches and Creed. I would have bet it was Mira Sound or something. Really? Probably it was New a York. New York yeah. thing. Oh, wow. Because yeah. he did the ad-libs, too. Yeah, a boy yeah. from New York City. That's right. Yeah, you know, I met Artie Butler, the guy who played keys oh, on that record. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he arranged it. So we're supposed to be geeking out about British Invasion. Okay, all right. got sidetracked because of Yeah, Yeah. let's go back. my fault because of... Patrick, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go back to the British invasion. Okay, so <laughs> you wanted to talk about? Yeah, that. yeah. So okay, so the Walker, the I'm, Walk, the I'm Walker sure. brothers. I mean, yeah. The talk about because they're you know a couple. But it's Gary, Gary, it's Gary Yeah, Gary Gary Leeds was also in the um, uh, the Sandels. Yeah, <laughs> came right back over the ocean. Right, again. absolutely. Stay, stay over in the, right. Keep coming back. <laughs> yeah, because Sunny Gonna Shine is Gaudio Crew. That's yes, that's New, absolutely. Jer- New Jersey. Absolutely. Yeah, Jersey. yeah. Jersey. Right. It's New Jersey. Right. So we got to go back. Across the ocean, right to Britain. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so let's get back there. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, um, um, oh Dusty man. Springfield. <laughs> yeah, Dusty Springfield. Oh my God. Patula Clark. Seriously. Don- oh Lulu. my God. Lulu. Holy crap! I but mean, again, yeah. You know, back rack was over there, so now we're back across the ocean. <laughs> yeah, right. See, there's no way to stay there. Yeah, right. I mean, to- <laughs> well, Tom Jones, we can stay there. I no, mean, because because Tom Jones, I except mean, most most of his stuff was written by you know Les Reed and Gordon Mills. Right. I mean, except for the country songs, right? You know, like Green Green Grass Home and stuff like right. that. That's all. That's all different people. Right. I mean, I think Ray Price recorded that song. Jerry you know, Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I mean, those Good are... Good friend of Tom Jones. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's just that, you know, it's funny because the, the whole British Invasion, man, you know, it's, I mean, it was just so interesting because all those bands that were part of that they were all really I think every band really, mentioned really good a bird back yeah right seriously <laughs> including Tom Jones yeah well the Yardbirds <laughs> the Yardbirds and uh, you know, the, the Hollies you know you know the connection with to those two groups right with Backrack no 
No, the Hollies oh, and oh, oh, the Hollies oh, and the Yardbirds. I don't know. Graham Goldman. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, Graham. He was like a what? Like like a sixteen year old kid when he wrote those songs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I was like, holy crap! When I heard first, <laughs> when I first heard Bus Stop, I was like, damn, this is this is good. I mean, like, and look through any window, I was like, holy yeah. man. Those guys were really on top of their game That's for right. sure. I mean, like, I mean, seriously. I mean, people, people, people kept sounded... people keep talking about how good good of a league guitar player George Harrison was, but I mean, I think Tony Hicks can run circles around George Harrison for sure. I mean, you listen to the opening of Look Through Any Window. I was like, damn, that guy could really play, man. Seriously, <laughs> well, George, George had his thing too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. What was I keep thinking of that Australian band? But you know, it's funny. Uh, the Easy Beats. Yes, thank you. Yeah, Friday on my mind. That's right. Yeah, Harry Van right. and George That's Young. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Like when you were, we were talking about like you know crossing over to the Atlantic Ocean. Another group that seriously crossed over to the Atlantic Ocean to the Brill Building was the Animals. That's right. You know, yeah, because they like Man and Wheel. Yeah, Man and Wild. That's, That's right. right. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. One of their best songs was written by two really obscure Brill Building songwriters named Roger Atkins and Carl DeErico. Which song? It's My Life. Oh, wow. Yes. See, that I didn't was, know that. yeah, I yeah. I mean, it was like probably one of those off the wall, like, you know, obscure songwriter connections on the planet because it's just, I think that was. Was the that only- a follow up to We Gotta Get Out of This Place? Yes. Probably was. Yes. Yeah, because yeah, it was the because they had sounds like it. three singles from the Brill Building. First with We Gotta Get Out of This Place, then It's My Life, and then Don't Bring Me Down. They right. all kind of got released somewhat in a row. Because they all because they all got yeah. picked up by the same literally Mickey Most went made one trip from England to New York and made a uh, made a visit to the Brill Building right. and be like, Hey guys, so I'm right. producing a session for the animals and Right. You know, we need we need, we need songs, songs for the sessions. Yeah, yeah. So you know, give us give us what you got, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. and then that's when they that's when they hand them those demo tapes, and then they were like, shit. Well, it's like what Andrew Oldham did too. He went and talked to people in the Brill Building. Well, you know what? It's funny. Like when I listen, the Stones didn't really record too much from the Brill Building. Well, I no, mean, but they they did make a trip there because because uh, I mean because because think about it. I mean, yeah, Andrew, the time Andrew is on Oldham, my side. Yeah. Time is on my side. But then you well, know, they did it's down, all over. Down, they did Down Home Girl. All, they, it's all over now. I mean, obviously the Burt Burns songs, you know, yeah. but but you know, it's all over now. That was not a Brill Building. That right. was Bobby Womack and Sam Cooke. Right. You know, yeah. Right. But Andrew Oldham told me, and then me, a lot of the other told, stuff was was Jagger and Richards. Yeah. yeah, he took Keith Richards. Andrew told me that he took Keith wow. Richards to the Brill Building. Wow, and uh, Seymour Stein, who ended up. Uh, who was working for Lieber and Stoller at the time? Right. Uh, turned him on to Down Home Girl. Right. Um, Alvin Robinson, and then uh, you know a few other songs. Wow. And they ended up on the second or third, sec- third wow. Rolling Stones records. Wow. And uh, and you can hear the influence of some of that Brill Building stuff anyway in their records. Yeah. You know because they I think songs like Out of Time and various songs from um, the Stones original songs sound. Like they're trying to be the drifters, sometimes, right? Or they're trying to be, <laughs> Absolutely, you know, you really you know Manfred Mann's Pretty Flamingo. Yes. That's yes. a total oh, drifters sure. in Jane sure. the Americans. Sure. Like, man, I was sure. listening. To that I was like, man, why didn't they do that song? <laughs> I was like, holy crap! I was like, it had that whole vibe totally. Oh, the first Absolutely. Two Manfred Mann albums are unbelievable. Yeah, oh, for sure. Fantastic. I mean, I mean, talk about a group that just did everything from the Brill Building. I mean, yeah. Shala La was from yeah, the Shirelles. Duwa Diddy was from the Exciters. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Holy crap! Those guys yeah. pulled every pull out. Untimey. Yeah. What? Untimey. They did Untimey, which wasn't the real building. Right. But it was uh, what's his name? Um, 
Ah, oh, I'm, I'm blanking. I'm sorry. No, no worries. I'm. I, I got a memory like yeah. I know. I, yeah, it's overwhelming. When when I listen to you talk, I, I my memory starts getting smaller and smaller. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to keep That's, up. That, I'm trying I'm, to keep I'm up. I'm trying. To, I'm trying to pass this music on to the next generation. Well, you're so, doing a great job. Yeah. I, I. You know. I got. I'm. I'm keeping the memory alive. You know, yeah, with my yeah, young yeah. brain. You know. So. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. So can we talk about Phil Spector for a minute? Sure. Yeah. Because like, okay. So there's. I've heard so many like. Stories about Phil, just the whole thing where the musicians in New York hated him. Like, you know, they, they, cause he, cause like literally, I heard this, I was reading this book on him. Like, you know, like they were, you know, he was trying to write a chart for Charlie Macy, but then Charlie Macy was not really, you know, I, I digging it or something like that, you know, so I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe a lot of what's out there. Yeah. You know, only, not only but about Phil Spector, about everybody. Yeah. Because, I mean, just even at my level, people have written things about me that are completely not true. And it's and I know in his case, there's been volumes written about Phil Spector. Um, he, uh, I think we could say he was an eccentric guy. Yes, absolutely. He is, is an eccentric guy. Yeah. Uh, but also, I know lots of people who've worked with him, and I've worked with him a little bit, uh, I know a lot of people who worked with him a lot. In fact, I was with Don Randy two wow. or three nights ago talking about Phil. And, you know, uh, he, whatever strange habits or, or strange yeah. quirks he may have in his personality, the uh, the records speak for themselves. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, after a while, you have to kind of respect those, you know. Oh, yeah. And some people don't like those, which is fine. You know, some people are like, oh, I'm sorry, it's not my thing. That's cool. Yeah. You know, but but if, you're, you know, if you're into it, it's, it's like... It's baby, I love you. This yeah, be my baby. There's yeah. There's, you know what's uh, funny? Did he ever? Did he ever explain to you his reasoning? You know, because one one key ingredient to the wall of sound was that Barry Sachs. Yeah. You know that that you know, you know that funny, that thing. Before, before we talk about Spectre, though, you just you just reminded me. Now baritone sax is such an important element. On so many records, we both know that. As far as right. starting, you know, I don't want to go back to big band stuff, but whatever. It's a long. It's been around a long time. Yeah. But the point is in rock and roll, yes, and and also pop records from the fifties and sixties. Uh, so, but I did want to mention something because there's a guy at Rhino, who uh, started Rhino, and he told me that the whole thing about Rhino Records, the the philosophy was. Just that people buy the same records over and over and over again. So if you're going to sell records and you ha you own the masters to something, you have to repackage it and sell it again. Right. So the most the number one one of the biggest, if not the number one, selling oldie for a long time was "Runaway" by Del Shannon. Wow. Now "Runaway" by Del Shannon has been on greatest hits of Del Shannon. Okay. Obviously, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's also been it's also been on let's say. Let's say there's an album called Teenage Angst, and it's right. only you know records. Right. Of course, Runaway would yeah. be on there, so they'd sell it. As, the point was just repackage it, and so people will buy. And yeah. I do it. I buy the same records every time I see Popsicles, Icicles. I buy it. I yes. have ten copies of it, yes. but I'll always buy it. Yes. But in any case, people people always talk about Max Crook and the uh, Claviolin. Yes. Okay, nobody mentions the baritone sax. Yes, on, on yes. Runaway, which is there. Yes, and. and so anyway, you were saying about baritone sax. Yeah, and absolutely. Phil yeah. No, Phil. Um, okay. Well, the first record on Phillies, which, which is Lester Sill, you know. Um, yes. You know that that's. Yes. Okay. Was Teenage Steve Douglas? That was the very first thing wow. they put out, and you know, playing not Barry, but playing sax. Right. And uh, so I mean, Phil. Phil paid attention to. Phil's a great music fan. Yeah. As well as being a yeah. creative. You know. 
guy. We're, he also was a great fan. So of course he knows all the records you're talking about. And yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, because because he because because actually just backtrack a little bit and listen to Wild One by Bobby Rydell. Sure. It's got that it's got that Barry Sachs yeah, section there too because right. that because he was kind of pulling from that right. too. And Steve Douglas was a friend of mine, and Steve Douglas wrote a screenplay which was never made into anything about Big J McNeely. He idolized Big J McNeely. Wow. F Steve Douglas did. And Steve wow. was the contractor with Hal, Hal Blaine, was also a contractor wow. on all of those sessions for Phil. Wow. So Horns, people yes. were thinking about Horns. Yes, you know, there's the, absolutely. Your, 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 your instincts are exactly right. He, I never talked to Phil that much about it, but I mean, it's obvious just because of the yeah. sound of those records. Yeah, absolutely. Also, the other thing that's a big misconception about, not a misconception, but sort of been misconstrued about Phil Spector is that people say, oh yeah, this, these, all this echo. Actually, the some of the great records he made are not full of reverb and... Really? Even, yeah, I don't think so. Wow. I mean, if you listen to some of those Darlene Love, early Darlene Love records, they're pretty dry. Wow. You know, later on, when you get to stuff like um, Sonny Charles and the Checkmates, yeah. then it gets into this cavernous sort of oh, gigantic absolutely. echo. But yeah. the early records are not like that. Right. Like, uh, they're really not. And it's a very small room that they recorded all that stuff in. It's it's a bunch of guys packed into a... Gold Star was a very small... It wasn't a big room. Right. You know. Exactly. So uh, you know, um, I I kind of want to piggyback on something you mentioned. Runaway by Del Shannon. Yeah, I just mentioned because of the sax. Nobody yeah. ever talks about that. Yeah, you know it's funny. Nobody also ever really talks about the New York studio musicians. Because right. because the, the thing is, those, man, those is that New York. you know it's funny, man. You know, and I, I think Del Shannon so, had a cold. I hear so really. I think so. He had, had a cold during one, that session. I think during the <laughs> Holy first crap. and he cut a few of the things. Wow, that's crazy. They had two major sessions in New wow, York. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, because we gotta talk. Michigan, we gotta right? talk about Michigan, the. We gotta talk about those guys, man, because they were just, they were. You know, getting buddy, just buddy, as much Buddy Saltzman, buddy Saltzman Al Gargoni, yeah. Trade Martin. That's I right. mean, Ernie Hayes and oh, Paul yeah. Paul Griffin and Artie Kaplan and yeah. Jerome Richardson. Yeah. You know, and just you know all those guys, George Devins and you know Ernie Worrell and Jimmy and Nottingham. Beautiful, beautiful I mean, records. you know, it's funny, man, because those guys. You know, I've I've talked to a couple of those musicians before, and the big difference between L.A. and New York is that. L.A. cut a little bit more loose as far as letting the musicians kind of, you know, do their own thing. I mean, it's as more far of a strict thing in New York. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like, they could not do any kind of imp improvisation yeah. ever but, on but, but, any of those records. They were, they were literally happen, just, though. literally, they were just like this. Okay, well, yeah. you know, they were literally yeah, yeah. just, they were literally just sight reading that shit totally. Right. They weren't even, like, thinking about it. They were just literally page, page, page. They right. weren't even, you know, that's that was the difference between yeah. L.A. and New York. Yeah. L.A., the musicians were kind of led to cut loose a little at least just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I mean, of course, they had the Rangers that had no, you know, no, that but you had guys like Glenn Campbell and James Burton who didn't really read, right? Like that, like they couldn't read like Tommy Tedesco, right? But they would add something else, you know, yeah. They, but they but, would add something of their own, stuff. right? But the guys in New York, I mean, were they basically allowed. were, you know, they were yeah. they were extreme sight readers. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. so they basically like. And here's the other thing is that um, we are we also we got to talk about like recording techniques too because. I feel like I've heard from people saying, oh, well, we, we, it all had to be done live, you know, because it was against the rules for unions to for, for, for people to do overdubs from the unions. I don't really think that's true, no, personally. No, I, don't, I don't think that's true, because, no. 
I mean, because even like you could get into a thing where you had to pay more money. Yeah, but but it's not against any rule. Right. Exactly. Because I because I, I don't even I don't even think that's true. Because I think like because even like in the early sixties, man. I mean, yeah, you had four track, and of course, you know that was a little difficult to like, you know, kind of three, three, three actually track was state of the art. Yeah, then it went to four. Right, exactly. But then eight. Yeah, it, but, and it's funny. Then I think 12, the, I think the eight, 16. the eight, the uh, the timeline is sixty five and sixty six was kind of when they were getting into the eight track. Is that does that sound about right? Because no, because no. Motown. It, no, no. I think it's um, I think it's really four track. Brian Wilson had when he did. Um, good vibrations. He had two four tracks. Yeah, so he didn't even have an eight track. He had really? two four tracks. Wow. And uh, but before that, like when they cut stuff like "Be My Baby" and they cut stuff like "Don't Worry Baby," those yeah. were three tracks. Right. Yeah. And then the Beatles, I think, had four track by the time it was right. You know um, what do you call it? Right. Sergeant. But Motown also had a six had an eight track too, pretty early on. I don't know. You what know in, in, yeah. yeah, in, in nineteen sixty four, early, okay. pretty pretty early. Yeah, and then you know, and CBS and Mirror Sound had were the first American studios to have sixteen tracks actually. Well, I remember you, seeing. I, you, I remember you, seeing an eight track. Yeah. In Boston. Wow. in Nineteen sixty nine. Wow. Being very impressed. Wow. That it was eight tracks. Yeah. And then I saw a twelve track at a place called Apostolic in New yeah. York. And I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah. And that was a jazz. Yeah. Well, I mean, Atlantic had an eight track in 1958. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tom, it's crazy because I have a book about this on my bookshelf. It's called Studio Stories, How the Great New York. Tom Dowd. Yeah. No, it's got, yeah, it's got literally, it goes through all the great engineers like Roy Haley and Tom Dowd and Brooks Arthur, all those really cool like New York engineers talking about like the ins and outs of all those cool New York studios like A&R right. and Bell Sound, right. you know, and just those, you know, in Columbia and RCA and all those really cool, you know, yeah. studios like Mirror Sound and Associated. Yeah. Um, I want to mention one thing. <laughs> I, when I when I listen to uh, their your, your CD, I Which noticed one? you, uh, the, the, Paley the, the Paley Brothers, yeah. When I, I listened, you did a version of Come On, Let's Go. That's right. Yeah, check this out. When I, listen, when I listen to it, I'm like... <laughs> this sounds exactly like the McCoy's version of "Come On, Let's well, Go." That's funny because the <laughs> yeah, because literally, like literally, it's the same kind no, of thing. No, the Ramones already knew the the McCoy's version. Really? Yeah. And my brother and I were going to do um, "Come On, Let's Go," and the Ramones uh, were in town in Los Angeles, staying at the Tropicana. My brother and I were down the road in another hotel. Uh, we were recording with the Beach Boy at the Beach Boys studio brother studios in santa monica and um so joey ramon the lead singer of the ramones was sick he was always sick he always had medical problems but he was in the hospital with something so the other ramones tommy and um dd and johnny were just hanging out at the tropicana doing nothing and they said what are you guys doing we knew them from new york and they said hey what are you guys doing? And we said, oh, we're making this record, at the Paley Brothers record at the Beach Boys studio. And they're like, wow, can we come over and do something? I said, great. So that was the song we had in common. Wow. And they knew the, the McCoy, so you, wow. hooked, you hooked into that. So <laughs> wow. yeah, so we did, we did, well, it's not really exactly like it, but it's, it's that arrangement. Wow. Of, uh, yeah. Come on, let's go. And yeah. My brother, my brother and I sang, my brother's singing the lead, I'm singing the harmony. Yeah. And that ended up um, in a movie, the Rock and Roll High School, where they blow up the high school at the end of the movie. That's 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 me, my brother and I with the Ramones. Singing. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's, that's hilarious. You know, but they're good guys. I really like those. You know, guys. you know, it's funny. Like, 
Um, the, we gotta talk about the McCoys for a minute, cause like you oh, know Richard we got Richard you, Goddard. Yeah, you know, you know, it's funny, like you know, we haven't really gotten into like the into the weeds of like garage rock bands, but the McCoys are probably like probably one of the most you know quintessential, just like you know garage rock from Fantastic. you know from in from Indiana, just that. That, I mean, to me, they don't. That, I mean, that, I, guess that Midwest. Garage, I guess it's garage rock. I mean, I, I, I garage rock. Yeah, it's more, it's more, kinda, it's more clean. They're just like they're poppy, but I mean, it's also garage. garage yeah, I guess. I mean, every band in the world did hang on Sloopy, even though it's not the original. It's no, it that's matter. right. It was by but, the Vibrations but see, first. But, but it was that, called My Girl Sloopy. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. But see, that doesn't matter. It's like Richard Berry did the original Louis Louis, Louis. but but that's not why all the bands. The right. bands all did it because of the Kingsmen. Right. And it's like. Yeah, you know who cares? It's it's yeah. Just, and whatever you know, makes you know it's it kind of a funny story about it's that like song. Pat Boone, uh, you know, it's and Little Richard. You know, it's uh, I'm going to piggyback on Hang On Sloopy right now because actually I found I had this very interesting thing about where the name Sloopy comes. I was going to ask you when we were talking about Loopy. Because okay, so <laughs> little lad so, Loopy Loop, so, Sloopy. So okay, so who was Sloopy? There, there is there is a story that the song was about Dorothy Sloop. But then, but what? then here's the thing. What do you mean? Okay, okay. So Dorothy Sloop was kind of a folky kind of a chick, and then, but here's the thing. So there, I'm gonna I'm gonna say two things about this. Burt Burns supposedly purchased the lyrics from a high school kid, you know, with Wes Farrell, and you know, and you know, they he supposedly didn't write the lyrics. But here's story number two. Burt Burns had spent time in Cuba. You know this. Oh yeah. In 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 the, in the in the early he late that music, late fifties yeah. yeah. before he came out here yeah 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 Sloopy was a nickname for the guys used to call the girls Cuba oh <laughs> yeah the you know that was a that was slang because they oh. used to call the girls hey Sloopy how you doing oh, cool. it was kind of a pickup line so oh, wow yeah so that's I believe that one yeah that 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 makes more sense in that's my in, in my mind yeah for <laughs> sure yeah. Absolutely, wow, and I you know it. how they got the name the McCoys, right? No, I don't. Okay, so From a TV show? No, 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 no. Not no. the Hatfields and the McCoys. No, yeah. Well, okay. This is this, so the Hatfields. This, this, this is where the story gets kind of interesting. They were originally called Rick and the Raiders, right? Rick and Ar- then Rick Zaringer. Uh, yeah, Rick Rick Zar- Rick Zaringer, right? And then the story goes that the Strange Loves, you know, open like I think like they were opening band for the Strange Loves. Richard Goddard. And then and then they found out that the Dave Clark Five were going to record Hang On Sloopy before before they could do it. So like shit. Well, we got to. <laughs> you know, we gotta we gotta go in the studio and record this. Wait a minute, let's not record it. Let's have this group called Rick and the Raiders do it. We'll go we'll go to New York at Associated Studios and record the backing track without them, and we'll just have them sing on top of it. They were on their way to New York on the flight to New York. The band was fighting in each other, and one of them made the comments saying, "Oh well." Uh, they're they're fighting just like the Hatfields and McCoys. <laughs> yes, and that's, that's how they got their name. And funny. and they and Rick Derringer changed Rick Zeringer changed her name to Rick Derringer because guess what? On the Bang label, it said that um, on the Bang label there was a there was a there was a gun on the on the on the label, and that was a Derringer gun. <laughs> Yeah, that was the name of the gun that right. was on the label, and that's why he changed his name to Rick Derringer, right. and his brother got it too. You know, yeah. And bang was. B, B for Bert, A, Amit, N, Nestle, Nestle G, G for Jerry. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Bert Burns, in my opinion, is just, I mean, he really was the white soul brother. Because when I, you know, when I first heard Cry Baby, I was just like, wow. I mean, 
this was song was written by a white dude. Yeah. I was like, damn, this guy's got soul. I mean, literally, yeah, really I mean, true. he sounded like he sounded like he was just that guy. That that song, Cry Baby, sounds like it was written by old white black dude. But really, it was just it yeah. was like, wow, that is just so cool. You yeah. know that he was able to channel some of that blackness with the songwriting. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. you know that that was really cool. He and was great. yeah, I mean, speaking and we're and I'm gonna get back into like the New York studio musicians. That was all New York guys too, yeah, yeah. like. Al Gargoni yeah. and Paul Griffin and Eric Gale, you know, Chuck yeah, Rainey, yeah. Gary Chester, you know, all yeah. those, those were all New York musicians. It's funny, you know, you told me, I think it was either you or your brother told me that you played golf with Bob Crew. Is I that did. true? I did, yeah. I did, did, he, did he tell you, like, you got you to gotta tell me some stories <laughs> well, here's, about, here's how it did, did, he, did he say, because he talked <laughs> about the musicians on yeah, those, those the records. The same people you were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, right? No, tell me I, about that, please. Well, well it was, I was in Nashville. Which is where he lives. This yeah. This is a long time ago. This yeah. is about 20 years ago. I yeah. Guess. And um, it was me and a songwriter who um, you're going to know, Larry Brown. No, I actually don't know that name. Well, L. Russell Brown. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He wrote yeah. uh, Sock It to Me Baby. Yeah. Uh, he wrote Tie Yellow Ribbon. Yeah. He wrote, yeah. He wrote Open Up Your Door by Richard and the Young Lions. Wow. Speaking of Garage. Wow. Uh, but uh, yeah, so L. Russell Brown, very funny, very nice guy. Really, really funny dude. Yeah. Who, who we were kind of talking about doing something, which never really happened, but he's a cool guy. And he said, come, I'll take you to play golf with with um, wow. Bob Bob Crew. Wow. Uh, I'm sorry, Bob Gaudio. Wow. Bob Gaudio. So... Uh, you said, "Did I play golf with Bob Crew?" No, I played no, golf Bob, with Bob, Bob Gaudio. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and the other guy who was in the foursome, we played a country club in outside of Nashville. Was the manager of a country act? He wasn't a songwriter. Wow! But the four of us um, played, and I asked Gaudio if I could ride with him in the golf cart. Wow! Says, <laughs> and um, we played for two days in a row. Wow! And but the first thing I said to him was, "Look, I'm a fan. Yes. So, do you mind if I?" really bother you with uh, questions about stuff and he goes no he goes you can ask me anything you want <laughs> wow so there are a bunch of things i learned from him but uh i'm just a huge fan of his and i said for instance can you tell me what is that sound at the beginning of candy, <laughs> candy girl candy girl you wow yeah you guessed it yeah, yeah that's what i wanted to know yeah i said what is that thing and he told me it's an andiolin wow and that it was fed through all kinds of weird wow. chambers and stuff just to make that noise. Wow. And he said he could never recreate it again if he wanted to. Wow. It's um, crazy. But I also asked him about um, Toy Soldier. Yeah. I wanted to know, because it's such a bunch of cool changes in that song. Yeah. And um, he said he thought, it was funny, he said, you know, I think I tried a little too hard on that. It, he was like, he said, I should have written it simpler. But uh, I don't know, I'm trying to think of other, other things he said. Um he just said that Frankie Valley was sort of uh, a freak in, wow. in in vocally, in that uh, it was incredible to be in a room with somebody wow. who could make his voice do what it did. Yeah, it's crazy. You know? And yeah. uh, he would be like five feet away from the microphone while the other seasons were wow. coming in, but Frankie could project wow. like, like nobody. Wow, you know that's crazy. Uh, what else did he tell me? I don't know. I I bugged him. It was for. Two days in yeah. a row, so I bugged yeah, him. Yeah, you know it's funny. Like he, he wasn't did, he, did, he, did, he, did you ask him who was the trumpet guy on oh, on no, uh, no, Big Girls Don't Cry? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Oh man, Actually, that's 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 the kind of question I would ask no, him. No, it didn't occur to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm like, you know, because they 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 
it's funny, like I hear, I've heard so much misinformation that they played on their own records, but really those were mostly session yeah, guys, yeah, yeah, though. Yeah, 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 they were. You know, you know, they weren't, I mean, there was no, like, I mean. I think Gaudio played on some stuff. Yeah, Gaudio, Gaudio also played, gave me an album piano. he made, which I have yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Do you know a record called New Desert Rose? No. Well, I'll give it to you. I have it somewhere. I'll yeah. copy it for you. Yeah. It's, it's an instrumental album he made. Yeah. Of, uh, on an organ. Yeah, right. So it's like somebody at a ballpark. Wow. But it's him. Wow. And that's all it is. There's no other instrumentation. <laughs> that's crazy. And it's beautiful. That's crazy. And there are some Four Seasons songs on it. Wow. Uh, Dawn. That is. I think yeah, because they because after Dawn, man, they just they just became so much better as a band. I mean, they they ev ev elevated their whole sound and everything just after that record. Yeah. You know, it's funny. They were they were supposed to, that they cut that song at Atlantic Studios actually before. You know, they were supposed to be on Atlantic, but then Atlantic right, said no right. on them. So yeah. that's when they signed to Phillips because yeah. they were trying to get out of VJ because VJ was screwing them over. Right, so they right, sued them. Right. You know, so that and that's how and, and that's how they got it wound up signing getting signed to Phillips. That's right. Yeah. I can't remember I, I unfortunately like like I, I try, and if I think of any more Bob Cruz stuff, I mean uh, Bob Gaudio stuff, I'll tell you. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I mean, what a genius! Yeah, just, absolutely. He was, he was, I mean, they. I mean, they. I mean, it was all like Louis Morrow and Joe Macko on bass, and yeah. Panama Francis and Buddy Salsman on right. drums. That's right. Uh, you know, Vinnie Bell, Ralph Casal, Al Gregoni on guitar. Yeah. You know, uh, Bob Gaudio, Franco, and Stan Free on piano, yeah. and Dave Carey on percussion. I mean, that was the Four Seasons yeah. Wrecking Crew right there. And, and then, then and, and then Nick Massey was helping with the arrangements. Yeah, um, absolutely. Charlie Colello too. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it was a great you know team, what's crazy? Like, do they ever? Do they ever tell you the story about how the hell did you wind up recording? Don't think twice. It's all right. No, I've heard it, but I didn't. Have oh to. my god! Like that's that's <laughs> so off the wall for me. I was like, what the hell? I was like, wow. Well, well the Beach Boys did one too, didn't they? I don't think that. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. I they don't did think blown they did. in the wind. Yeah, they did something they, they like that. They did blown in the wind. Oh, my God. It's pretty. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, it's on the crazy. Party well, Stevie Wonder, did a, Stevie Wonder did a version of that. No, yeah. It's not blown in the wind, but yeah. it's one of those Dylan songs. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You're talking about the Wonder Who. Yeah, right? The Wonder Who. It's a total joke. It's like they're literally like, okay, so let's just see if we can try to put something out in a different name. Let's just right. do it as a joke because and then nobody's going to know that. They put out the Beatles versus the Forces. Right? But oh VJ my God. had some great stuff. Absolutely. Sheriff and the Rebels. For sure. Oh, yeah. The I mean, Eldorados. D. Clark. Oh, yeah. I mean, Gene Chandler. I mean, oh, oh my. That's everything. We got we to gotta talk about Chicago Soul for a minute. Oh, okay. You know, because they were just that whole thing. I mean, people often get Chicago misinterpreted because they think it's just, you know. Blues. The, you know, blues. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, but it's more than that. But it's more than that. I mean, yeah. they had, on Music Row, I mean, there was, yeah. you know, Chess, OK, Brunswick. I mean, all kinds of records. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, Brunswick it was, was just the same as the bowling ball. Yeah, <laughs> wow. It was. it was the same. Company. That's crazy. That's the same with the logo. And wow. Yeah. Wow. Because of the uh, material that they made, I think acetates out of. Yeah. It's the same stuff they make bowling balls out of. Wow. Maybe, but it was Brunswick. Wow. Yeah, I mean, just that that whole thing with Chess, okay, Brunswick and VJ, yeah, and just that whole thing where. It was again like another wrecking crew recording at oh, yeah. Universal and you know Universal Studios yeah, and RCA and Columbia. Yeah. yeah, and it was just that whole thing where you know like Maurice White and Louis Satterfield That's and right. you know and Ken and Floyd Morris and just that whole thing and Phil Upchurch and you know Billy Butler, you know, and just that whole thing where it was just yeah. like 
you know, it was, but you know, honestly, man, you know, who I think is so underrated that came out of that scene is Major Lance. Well, those are some I of the most underrated best, he had big hit records. best, re- <laughs> nobody, but nobody knows who he is now. They don't. No, nobody, man. I, I actually, yeah, if, if I ask like someone my age, like, hey, you oh, know what Major, no, no, absolutely time. not. No, no, they um, wouldn't, they wouldn't um, have um, a clue. Um, 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 um. Yeah, I mean they no, no, man. That muted trumpet. Yeah, oh my god, so good. (laughs) Seriously, just that muted trumpet, Curtis (laughs) Curtis Mayfield's guitar playing, yeah, and just that horn section. I mean, Maury Watson, Paul Serrano, Morris Ellis, John Avant, Cliff Davis. I mean, holy crap, that song (laughs) is just so good. Oh man, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting because again, because because again, because again, that was a whole thing with like they were but competing against Motown. Bar- Barbara Ackland. Yes, Barbara love, Ackland. Love makes a total movie. Motown ripoff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. She wrote. Um, yes. She wrote. What do you call it? Have you seen her? Have you seen her? Yeah, exactly. by the Shylights. Yes. Right, yes, Eugene Record. Wow. Yeah, right. And Sonny Sanders bum, and Eugene Records. Bum, 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 yeah, right. Oh man, you gotta do that song for the for the Tom Kenny no, and the already, High Seas. I've already showed it to the Damsels. Really? I've already done that. Yeah, right. So you're, you're right on level with this. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, for Brittany, sure. Brittany, uh, one of the Damsels, is uh, we've been talking about love makes for woman. sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, let's let's get sidetracked for a minute. Can we? Oh, let's no, talk about. Let's talk about. I mean, we literally we can keep going, man. I don't if, care. If, yeah, if you, if no, you want, I just thought we were over in England. And all of a sudden, we're in Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, so um, the garage rock records. You know so, way more than I do about this. Yeah, right. See, Tom you know Kenny they were here. You, you know, yeah. So you they were they were just so it was so interesting because um, you know they came from some of the weirdest areas on the planet. Now, what's the difference between what you talk about garage rock and then there's like. Um, uh, stuff like okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack with stuff you for that we're a second. Hits, you're talking about stuff that we're okay, so now. for example, Little Girl by uh, Syndicate of Sound. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure that was done at um, Golden State Recorders in Frisco, or uh-huh. you know, or it was either that or Columbus I Tower. I really don't know. Yeah, I love, so I love the record. Yeah, so and and uh, also um, a lot of stuff came out of L.A. like the Music Machine uh-huh. that was done at uh, RCA Studios right. in Los Angeles and. I had too much to dream last night. That was actually done. A part, a lot of that record was done at Leon Russell's house. Wow! Actually, yeah. Where yeah. was that? Um, it was. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not really sure exactly where it was, but you know, he had his own home recording studio. Wow. And you know who else recorded in that studio? The Knickerbockers. Oh, Lies. Wow. Oh, my God. That was recorded. See, I saw the Knickerbockers. <laughs> no way! Yes, when I was 11. Yeah. Open for the Stones at the Palace Theater in Albany. Wow. Uh, the Stones' first tour. My sisters, wow. My sisters took me to see the Stones. Wow. And then Buddy Randell and the Knickerbockers were the opening. Wow. Band. Yeah, and there was another band weren't before they, them. Weren't they good? The Sundowners, who actually... Did a little something in upstate New York. Yeah, but the Knickerbockers played upstate all the time. Wow, in upstate New York. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, they yeah. Were amazing. you know, a couple. Of, I think there was a connection. And one track mind is a great song. Yeah, too. absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but as I was saying, I mean, uh, there, you're there, talking about people recording at Leon Russell's house. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Leon Russell had his own little home studio when he was doing stuff for like Gary Lewis and the Playboys, and you know, doing arrangements like that. And 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 those are just some of the some of the few records that were. Uh, uh, that were that were recorded there. Don Randy, who I just spoke to the other night, was talking about him, and there's a photograph of the two of them. And he said that when Leon was new here and yeah. he had greasy, he's just a greaser. He said he weighed about 110 pounds. And he wow. Said, <laughs> and then after he told me that, I saw this photo of Don Randy 
and Leon sitting at a piano at a grand piano together, and Leon's um, up on the right side, so he's playing the high stuff, and uh, Don Randy's on the left side, so he's p probably playing the chords. Wow! But uh, in general, when you hear that octave stuff, that's Don Randy. Wow! And um, so it's funny that in this one photo they were sitting that way, but it was at a grand piano. And wow! And, and, and Don told me that. That wasn't that unusual. They did it quite a bit. They'd be at the piano together. Yeah, and he said Leon could play. Yeah, music. and here's the other thing. Anything. Here's the other thing that's really cool. The Five Americans recorded in Texas. You know, remember that band, Western yeah, Union? Yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, Sounds of Love. Yeah, yeah they were they were produced by Dale Hawkins. Wow. Dale Hawkins, Susie Q, right. same guy. James Burton. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was that was done in Texas, and some it's some of the weirdest, like Sir Douglas Quintet. I mean, she's about a mover credit. Another studio called Gold Star, which was also right. called same time, but they, right, right. I don't know how they even got got away with it. But it was like you know, it was like literally the same name, same studio. What do you Jimmy Gilmer. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, Sugar Shack. You know they recorded. Wait, that's a Clavioline too. Yeah, Clavioline too. Yeah, that was recorded at Norman Petty's home that's studio right. in, in Clovis, right. New Mexico. That's right. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Right. I love that. So we we've been all over the globe. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, man. Oh yeah. So yeah. So anyway, so when it, it's when it, when I listen when I listen to your band for the first time, you mean one, Tom Kenny and the yeah, High Seas? Yeah. One thing that really caught my eye was when you did "Keep on Running" by the Spencer Davis Group. Yeah, I love it. I was like, my old band, wow. the Sidewinders, used to cover that. So wow. You I know, it's funny. It it's funny because. Like, like that was a again. That was one of those things where it was the Jamaican kind of yeah. Jamaican kind of weeding that's into right. England, you that's know? Right. Yeah, right. it was that. And you know that's funny about that. Like, if you listen to the Kinks, um, and you listen to Ray Davies, he's going, um, "Girl, I want to be with you all of the time, all day." He goes, "All day and all of the night," and he's imitating a West Indian kind of accent, which was very common. I mean, there's tons of West Indians in London. Wow. You know, there's tons of Jamaicans. Wow. You know, and, and that's so crazy. So next time you hear, he'll, he goes, all day and all of <laughs> Oh, them. my God. That, that's, I guarantee you that's wow. what he's doing. Yeah. Wow. That's and it's crazy. like my boy Lollipop. And the whole thing, it was a big thing over there, you know. Yeah. And they appreciated it. We don't have that in the United States. We do now. We didn't really have it then. Wow. You know, we didn't have that. That's crazy. Yeah. Because again, kind of again, it's like one of those things where it's like the foundations, you know? Yeah. That's another underrated band. Oh my God. I was like, nobody really knows too much about those guys. I mean, well, they had the Eric, Eric, Eric Allendale, Alan Warner, Tony Gomez, Tim Harris, Pat Burke, Mike Elliott. I mean, that was like West Indies and Sri Lankan and British guys <laughs> all in the same band, basically. Yeah. It was yeah. like the Eagles, man, with, you know, Eddie Grant, come back, right. basically, baby, come back. It was the same, <laughs> same kind of thing, you know? Yeah, man. Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, but I'm just thinking of mixed up bands. Too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're almost at we're we're at two hours with this podcast. Wow. Well, it's great talking to you. Absolutely. You know, I'll come back with Tom Kenny. Yo, please. I'll tie him up. Yes. I'm gonna hog time and yes. bring him in here. Yes. Because it's impossible to get him to do anything. But we'll get him to do it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. And yeah. We'll talk about SpongeBob. And he also is a, a rhythm and blues and blues freak. Yeah. And pop absolutely. music. Absolutely. He's, he's in everything. Yeah. He's into everything. Yeah. But please come and see Tom Kenny in the high seas. Absolutely, and man. For sure. If, when's podcast, your next show with uh, with that band? Uh, next show is, um, uh, I think, uh, The Grove, but I haven't got the date. So okay. we'll have to figure that out. Yeah. Well, if, it, if it's at The Grove, I'll be there. Absolutely. Great, great, great. For sure. And all the millions of listeners out there. Please 
come and see Tom Kenny in the high seas. You'll have a great wait a minute, time. wait a minute. Uh, before I got to before I got to end end this thing, there's one thing I you know it's funny I I I, I want to mention this to you and it's so off the wall. I just have to say it before we end on the Patrick songs for SpongeBob on the Christmas album yeah. and the other album. Yeah, I was like, okay, that backing track sounds so familiar, and I'm like, wait a minute. There was one band from the '60s that got so close to making it, but never had a hit. They almost <laughs> tore with the Beatles. Who? They, the Remains. Oh, the Remains. Yes. Oh, Bob, yeah. Bill, why Billy, do I cry? Billy. Why Vera, do I cry? But Billy Vera wrote the other one. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Which, don't, don't look, look back. back. Yeah, Billy yeah Vera but literally, I was like listening to that. That's the Remains. Why do I cry? Wow. It's the same kind of dun 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 dun, and that double time in, in the outro. Well, there's the, a lot of records. like Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. But that's that's literally. Well, on that's, one of that's them, the Remains. Why do I cry? We did one called Under My Rock. Yeah. Um, and I'm playing lead guitar and harmonica on that. Yeah. But. Um, and little Steven played that on his underground garage thing. But uh, the other one on the Christmas record is called, um, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of very similar. It's the one you're talking about. And it's, uh, it's called Pretty Ribbons and Bows. <laughs> and it's because Patrick, the um, starfish, SpongeBob keeps saying, hey, why don't you open the presents? And Patrick doesn't care. He just likes, because he's, he's kind of like in his own world and he likes just looking at the wrapping paper. Wow. So it's called Pretty Ribbons and Wow, Bows. yeah. But that's Jonathan Richmond, who's a great friend of mine. He's playing guitar. Wow. Lead guitar on that one. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad you picked up on that. I love The Remains. Absolutely. Yeah. And Barry Tashin was yeah. a cool guy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And Billy Vera is obviously fantastic. Yeah. You know, he wrote that song. That's all you got to know about Yeah, him. absolutely. And by the way, where where can we find Tom Kenny and the High Seas at? What's their... Oh boy, I don't. You know, know I'll, I'll I'll take care of that, okay, man. Great, yeah, great. I got I, I got you. I got you on the on the on the Instas great, and the Facebooks great. and all that stuff. Well, we are big, sure. Me and Tom, we're big fans of yours. We really are. Thank you. And you're you're. I'm glad you you care about this music enough. Absolutely, to, to man. Talk about it. It's I great. mean, seriously, if nobody if nobody if nobody my age is going to really <laughs> talk about this music and <laughs> they will, you know, and promote it. No, there's literally it's just. I've, it's crazy, man. I feel. No, I, I just, think, I think I just you're doing feel, a great thing. I just feel like I'm just literally one. I'm like, there's literally, I'm like, I'm like an endangered species. I feel like, you know, Don't worry, I, you're going to be all right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just hoping that when people listen to this, I'm hoping that there will be more people my age. that will be like, okay, yeah, I know about major lands. I'm, 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 I'm a fan. I mean, that'd I, I like it, like his stuff. I mean, you know, cause that would make me happy. Cause honestly, like, you know, the, the people your age, I mean, they, they, they like this music. Billy Stewart. Yeah. But it's just, it's really, we gotta, we gotta pass this on to my generation. You know, we're going to do sitting in the park. I think one of these days. Absolutely, yes. That. That's what. I'm yeah, doing. I love that. I love that organ on that record, man. <laughs> Leonard Casson, Sonny Thompson on piano. Yes, on Thompson on organ. You know, Maurice White on drums. You know, uh, <laughs> P, uh, Pete Cozy, Gerald Sims on guitar. Yes, absolutely, man. All right. Thank you very much. Absolutely, man. All right. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye. Wow, there you have it, folks. Andy Paley. I mean, that was just an incredible interview. And let me tell you something right now. I felt like that might have been one of the best uh, special guest interview episodes I've had on my show so far. Because, I mean, just by talking to Andy, I can just feel the oozing of the knowledge that this guy has about uh, songs and artists and, you know, the people that he has, you know, interacted with and talked to from that era. And just, it just, it's amazing. It feels like I'm just, I'm, I feel like I'm so close to a lot of those uh, people, you know, that I never even met personally, you know, that he has a, you know, really good connection with. 
Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, if you liked this interview, you thought it was cool and you found out some interesting things about it and you like Annie's personality and if you want to have him on my podcast again with Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob with him, uh, please email me at samltwilliaicloud.com or you can also follow me on Instagram at iheartoldies and check out more of my original music at samlinesmusic.net. Now, um, as you probably could notice by now as far as uh, the uh, this this uh, this episode is concerned, I talk about a lot of things in this episode that I haven't really mentioned on my podcast yet. Now, these are things I'm going to go into a lot more further detail in future episodes of this podcast, um, but this is just kind of the beginning of what is to come as far as what kind of artists and songs I'm going to talk about next on my show, but um, I'm going to try to include some of these songs uh, you know, in the Spotify playlist for this podcast, but... I'm not really quite sure about that because a lot of these songs I'm going to be doing in future episodes of this podcast. So I'm not necessarily, I'm not sure if I'm going to include a lot of these songs in the description of this episode of this podcast. But let's just say you're around my age and you're listening to this episode. And let's just say you have no idea what we're talking about, uh, me and Andy. Well, what you can do is that um, I'll definitely post links to the songs uh, that we uh, that we talked about today in the description of this episode of this podcast. And... I will also, um, I might throw in a couple songs in the Spotify playlist, but then, but like I said before, um, these are songs I'm going to actually do, dedicate full-length episodes to in future episodes of this podcast. And also, um, just, just for the meantime, you can check out my official Spotify playlist for this podcast. There you can find all the songs I've talked about on my show so far, and, uh, you know, and if you if you have any any ideas for any songs I should cover next on my on my podcast, uh, you can email me at samltwilly at icloud dot com, and uh, you know you can also reach out to me on Instagram iheartoldies, and yeah. So um, another cool thing that's in the description of this episode of this podcast is the link to my official uh, Redbubble mer- merchandise store for this podcast. There you can find uh, the the official logo I have of this podcast and keep on trucking. Uh, tie-dye font and uh, it's a really cool logo i hope you guys will uh you know check it out and if you want to purchase something i love it as you can do that but if you can't and you just want to give me some feedback on my logo and just let me know what you think of that and the prices of the items in in the store i would really appreciate that and uh yeah so um you can find that in the description of this episode of this podcast and here's one more thing i want to say before i end this episode and by the way this is episode number 70 by the way um some of you might listen to this episode and you might think that I wrote everything out ahead of time and just, you know, literally wrote down all of the questions I was asking and all the information I talked about in this episode. You might have thought, well, maybe he's looking all this stuff up. Well, let me tell you right now, this is the this is a huge disclaimer for you, and I'm just wanna give you guys a little FYI. Everything I say in this episode all the information i talked about and even a lot of the questions too a lot of things i say everything is coming from the top of my head i'm not looking anything up i literally am just using my brain and all the knowledge and expertise i have about 6g music and i wasn't even on the computer looking any of this up i wasn't even cheating you know i wasn't even like you know trying to you know verify anything by googling it 
literally I was pulling everything off the top of my head. So, I mean, I, I if I get a few things wrong, I mean, no, that's just the way it is. I mean, uh, there's a radio show I li- like to listen to all the time, and one of their catchphrases is, "It's better to guess to be wrong than look it up to be right." And that, in that, in that phrase. Uh, there's a lot of truth in that phrase when when it is applied to uh, this week's uh, special guest episode of this podcast. So but I, th- I did get a lot of information right because I know that I've done a lot of research about um, these songs uh, that I talk about on my podcast. So um, also, um, I don't, as you guys can probably notice by now, I don't really provide any kind of sources of in- where I put, get my information from, but just in case any of you out there are wondering, a lot of the information I get on this podcast comes from different documentaries I watch and, you know, different articles on Wikipedia and song facts and different things I find on the Internet. So if you want me to provide some kind of source to you as to where I get this uh, information from, I can definitely do that. But if not, I'll just keep do- keep doing what I've been doing. But anyway, so I'm Sam Williams. I'm very thankful for you guys uh, you know, to be doing this podcast with you guys. And I'm hoping that whoever's listening, you're just soaking up a lot of this information in for the first time you hear, and you're going to, you know, you're this is the first time you're learning about all these groups and you never really heard them before. And you're not a baby boomer and you're someone that's around my age, a millennial. So I'm hoping that that's who, that's the kind of people that are listening to me right now on this podcast. But anyway, so I'm Sam Williams and thank you for listening to this podcast and supporting it, and uh, don't forget to leave me a review on the Apple Podcast app, and you know, follow my show on Spotify and Stitcher and iHeartRadio and all those other platforms and Google Play. And uh, yeah, so I'm Sam Williams, and thank you again for listening to this week's episode of my podcast, The Millennial Throwback Machine. Till next week, please keep things groovy. <laughs>